Hey everyone, welcome to episode 42 of the Dumbos and Dragons podcast. This is going to be a very quick intro because it is very late at night, the night before this posts. I did want to introduce our guest. It is Ophidian the Cobra from the Chikara Pro Wrestling Factory out in Pennsylvania. Had a great time. Uh, some of you listeners know that I've been getting back into professional wrestling and WWE stuff, so it was really great to sit down and talk with Ophidian. Uh, last two things, if you have not yet gone over to Kickstarter and donated to the Nerd Out app by our friend L, please go ahead and do that. And last, if you are in your fantasy football championships this week, good luck to you, and I hope you uh, bring home the trophy. Work out, Nerd Out. In the basement rolling Dragons, welcome back to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Today I have a very special guest. His name is Ophidian and he is from Chikara Professional Wrestling out in Pennsylvania. Um, if anyone has been following the podcast, they know that I have totally gotten back into professional wrestling and it's one of my uh, things that I do not miss each and every week. So I am glad to have my first professional wrestler on the podcast. Ophidian, how you doing, man? Oh, loving life, my friend. Feeling great and uh, enjoying every second of it. Excellent, excellent. So, I don't know you very well. I know what I've seen online and some, some YouTube videos, but why don't you tell me and everybody out there listening a little bit about yourself? Well, first things first. I am the venomous and vile serpent from the Nile, the one and only master of snake style, the Cobra Supernova, <laughs> Ophidian. And, you know, just to get that out of the way. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm, uh, as you've already stated, I'm a uh, performer over at Chikara Pro, which is based out, an internationally touring company based out of Philadelphia. I'm also one of the trainers at the Chikara Wrestle Factory based out of Philadelphia as well. Um, I've done a little bit of everything in professional wrestling. I also run a, a gear company with uh, Kate Nix called Closet Champion as well. So I dabble in a, almost all of it when it comes to professional wrestling. Oh, very cool. And we're going to get into the specifics on the school and Chikara Pro um, and also the gear company. But first, just how did you get into professional wrestling? Uh, well, if you lived in the Philadelphia area um, around the time uh, you know I was growing up, um, which is the late 90s and early 2000s, if you're in Philadelphia in that area, um, you had – not just WWE, WWF, I'm sorry, WC, WCW and ECW on television. Uh, you had ROH and CZW and NWA Wildside and WEW and ind- all these independent companies on a local station called WGTV, uh, which is channel 19, um, where I was at. And, uh, it, 
you were ingesting it. It was a, a straight injection of professional wrestling every night of the week, um, regardless of um, the day. And uh, you couldn't help it. I grew up near the ECW arena, and uh, wrestling was life around here. It's the epicenter for professional wrestling. Awesome. Eventually, you know, you get tired of watching it, and you want to do it yourself. Um, I totally agree with that, because... Since I picked back up the WWE um, late last year, about a year ago, I have been telling my wife that I'm like, I could, I could do one match. I can train. I can do one. And she's like, you're older than shit. You're not doing anything. I don't want you to hurt yourself. I was like, that's why you train, honey. That is absolutely true. But I'll tell you, you couldn't just do one match. You'll get hooked. I promise you that. Oh, I'm sure. Like, I, I have a very addictive personality to begin with. It's how I got started, you know, weightlifting. I, I lifted, you know, one weight, and then I was like, oh, this is fun. I like this. It hurts so good. It does hurt so good. Um, so tell me about one of your heroes, either fictional hero, superhero, personal hero, source of inspiration, favorite professional professional wrestler, well, that's a new question for me. I've done a lot of podcasts, um, and uh, you're the first person to ask me. Over my 10-year career, I've done a lot of podcasts, and you're the first person to ask me who, who my hero was, who my inspiration was. Not who my favorite wrestler was, but my hero, which is a totally different thing, at least in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. I didn't know until um, when I uh, started my journey into professional wrestling uh, – I didn't realize I'd be calling Mike Quackenbush a mentor um, as he's been more than just a trainer uh, for me. Uh, he's done a lot to help mold me and turn me into not just a performer, but the human I've become. And for those who don't know who that is, Mike Quackenbush is the founder and owner of Chikara Pro. And uh, I started training under Mike about 10 years ago, fresh out of high school and uh, or met Mike uh, a little more than 10 years ago now, fresh out of high school. And uh, he definitely helped mold me into an adult, a human, and taught me how to train and uh, showed me what it was to become a professional wrestler and allowed me a stage in which to perform and then eventually travel the world. Um, he's a mind that is absolutely brilliant um, in ways I can't describe. I don't know the words to describe, in my opinion, uh, his, his, the level of his brilliance um, and uh, his aptitude for teaching. And, um, That's awesome. And I think that it's important that everybody have at least one person like that in their life um, that just has such an impact and just takes you under their wing and shows you kind of... Yeah, maybe what your chosen profession is or professional wrestling is, but really what life is all about. And so I think that's really cool. Absolutely. There's been uh, some references to Jakar Pro as being a land of misfit toys of sorts. Um, and this, it, that absolutely bleeds into our training facility as well because we don't turn away anybody regardless of shape, size, gender, uh, physical limitations, um, or mental or physical. Um, we don't turn anybody away. Everybody has a place in professional wrestling. And uh, Mike is a big advocate of that. 
Um, and it, if you ever watch any of our shows, you get the opportunity to see us live. Uh, you just feel that you, it's a place where anybody can go and enjoy professional wrestling. Um, when again, if they want to find a way to participate in it, you know, there's a role for you in some way, shape or form. And, uh, it takes a unique kind of person to, to not turn away anybody and I'll find a place for you regardless of who you are. Excellent. That's awesome. And I find that incredibly uplifting and maybe unexpected because you don't expect a a professional wrestling company. Well, most people's experiences with the WWE that is so, I don't want like discerning and elite and only takes the best of the best of the best. Um, some opinions may vary on that, but, um, and then you have a place that has just, you will see athletes of all shapes and sizes. I think that's really cool. I would love to see you guys live. Absolutely. The inclusivity that, uh, uh, that comes with Chikara is part of its charm. It's part of its appeal. Um, and that's just not with, um, professional wrestling. I find that with any kind of performance art, there can be an elitist mindset a lot of the times when you start to get towards the upper echelons of not, uh, not just your professional, your mass, massively marketed, your corporate companies, but even more so on the independent level, you know, the underground, if you will, there's such an elitist mindset sometimes at the upper echelons of that. And, uh, that doesn't exist within Jakar. Um, and, uh, it's, Absolutely. It's, it's a great, it's a great environment, a great atmosphere. Mike has crafted something that doesn't exist anywhere else um, well, because of that, you know. What contributed to you becoming Ophidian? Well, uh, there are definitely some secrets that are best kept to me, but <laughs> I will say this about uh, Ophidian. Um well, I'll start off with what Chakar Pro really is at its core. Um, it's an uh, it's a comic book come to life. It is an American lucha libre company. Um, while we may not just be lucha libre, right? We specialize in that, but we're a hybrid of all types of professional wrestling. But our biggest influence comes from lucha, um, which is the Mexican form of professional wrestling, which is very vibrant, very colorful, uh, very much. Uh, um, acrobatic and, and stylistic uh if you've ever get the chance to see that uh, guys like Rey mysterio or Sicostas, over to guerrero growing up now it's calisto and sincara um guys that don masks and perform uh with different identities you know that's customary with lucha libre and uh that is the biggest influence for chakara so going into that you know you're going to be um donning a new identity if you're going to be working with Chikara Pro. Um, yeah. But uh, Ophidian, um, at the end of the day, is still just an extension of who I am. Um, I absolutely uh, believe and say Ophidian is me. I live masked in public. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, I do everything with my mask. Uh, I've been to the grocery store. I've been to the laundromat. I even got married in my mask. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Because I, I believe in that, right? I, I believe in the, the traditions and the customs of lucha as well as um, professional wrestling. Um, 
we are who we say we are for the most part, right? I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that The Undertaker is really dead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, um, but um, there's a belief in that, though, that The Undertaker, while may not, he may not be dead, is who he is, you know? Uh, I absolutely believe that The Undertaker is, uh, you know, this seven-foot, um, uh, you know, chilling human being, you know, who when he walks into a room, he commands a presence. Like, you just don't learn that, you know? That is something that's natural to him. Yeah, I, I, I want to say the biggest comparison I can draw is uh, uh, when I've heard Stone Cold Steve Austin talk about himself he said that he had a few different gimmicks, you know, and he was always just like kind of a floundering mid Carter. But then he came up with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And Stone Cold Steve Austin was just an extension of himself. It was a part of himself that he turned up to 11. Um, and some people believe that the best, uh, best characters, right? The best performers are themselves turned up to 11. Um, but sometimes yourself isn't just a cool catchphrase, you know? Yeah. Sometimes yourself is the dead man. Sometimes yourself um, is the godfather. <laughs> yeah. Or, or gold dust, um, you know? No, absolutely. And I just think that's, that's that kind of is what... You can tell when somebody is just doing a character... And when they are being true to themselves, just ramped up. Does that make sense? Like The Undertaker. Absolutely. Like, I feel that, like, if I saw The Undertaker walk into a room, even, even in, like, a shirt and tie, I'm pretty sure I'd still be a little frightened. I feel that way about Kane, uh, especially yeah. his corporate variation of himself. He has that look, that natural scowl on his face that you know there's uh something there's something different about him you don't know what it is but there's definitely something i'm with you i'm absolutely with you on that one um so what what are your favorite areas of nerdiness when you're not wrestling what what are you doing in your off time i wear my nerd on my sleeve I openly, I absolutely admit to that. Um, let's, uh, I'll start off with references to, uh, the things I've referenced throughout my career, uh, from Mortal Kombat to, uh, things like, you know, Five Deadly Venoms, which is what, uh, one of my favorite Shaw Brothers films, um, to, you know, uh, phrases and quotes I've used from Hellraiser, um, kind of sprinkled into the stuff I do and even the inspiration for my mask, which is Serpentor from G.I. Joe. Um, I'm very much uh, tied into nerd culture in every single way. That's so cool. But what I, I, I know, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just geeking out on Serpentor. Um, That's so cool. The, uh, the thing I really enjoy doing on my off time is uh, RPGing. Uh, I'm a huge, huge, now not in the tabletop way. However, I've, uh, tabletopped. Um, I'm a huge gamer, and I'm currently replaying Legend of Dragoon, which was Sony's answer to Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation era, um, which really wasn't the answer to Final Fantasy VII because there is no, <laughs> <laughs> there was no, you know, no other company could replicate what 
uh, Square did. Um, oh, not Square, at all. Squaresoft did in that era. I'm about to call it Square Enix. It's Square Enix now, but Squaresoft did uh, when they made that game back in 97. Um, but Legend of Dragoon um, is one of my favorite RPGs uh, from that era, and I'm currently replaying it just to just because. That's awesome. Uh, I'm a huge fan of that. I I loved my Zeldas, you know, but I I hate to say it, I don't have the attention span to RPG a lot. Like I beat Archeon of Time, um, mostly with a strategy guide. And then I've never beaten another RPG. And I know I would be really satisfied if I ever did. It's just, it's just, I'm way too busy at this point to sit down with an RPG that's going to take, a, you know, 10 plus hours of gameplay. Well, that's part of the reason why I went back to play um, Legend of Dragoon was uh, I beat it, you know, a dec- uh, more than a decade, I guess 15 years or so ago. More than that, because uh, the PlayStation 1, uh, that game came out maybe 99, so uh, 17 years ago, and... Uh, I realized that if I played it now, there's so much one that I probably won't remember or two that I probably didn't do um, because in 99, 2000, I, I wasn't either. I wasn't paying as much attention to that, and I probably wouldn't have scoured uh, in the way that I would have now when I'm sitting in a car, you know, driving to Massachusetts, you know, on a six-hour trip from Philadelphia or eight hours to North Carolina or, you know, uh, 13 hours to Chicago over road tripping on the weekends. So it's a great way to kill time. Um, you know, when you're sitting in, a, sitting in a car, just throwing a remote control on my cell phone and playing uh, some classic uh, RPGs. Yeah, that's that understandable there. Uh, my next question that I'm actually, I'm actually quite curious about this. What is one thing that you're into that other people might find surprising? Oof. Um... So, uh, <laughs> this is something that I got into recently that, uh, it was a huge shock to when I first kind of revealed it, um, that, um, I, uh, I'm so into Pokemon that I play hacks of the older games. So, uh, there are people that have hacked the, like, Emerald Ruby variations from the old Game Boy Advanced, um, generation of uh, Pokemon and I've added new stories and new Pokemon and stuff like that to it and uh, updated it of sorts, you know, as best as you can for a Game Boy Advance game. Yeah. And uh, I play those. So I play essentially fan-made Pokemon games because <laughs> um, I'm that into Pokemon and RPGs. Um, That's awesome. Dude, I just got into um, Super Mario 64 hacks. Mm, yes. Okay. And so I, the, my only problem is I'm trying to, uh, I haven't bought a controller for my computer yet. And so I'm trying to use the keyboard and I'm just not a keyboard gamer. And it's very difficult. Uh, I use a, uh, Xbox th- uh, 360 remote for my computer. See, I, I, I plugged my 360 in my 360 controller in and it wasn't working and i was you, like you need the original uh variants of the microsoft remotes they released the second generation where they changed 
the driver, like the internal drivers that they come with. So uh, okay. you got to have like an OG Xbox remote uh, in order for that to work properly. And of course, the right drivers on your computer, um, which are free to get. It's just knowing exactly where to look for them at. Oh, that's true. Google Google could probably find me those answers. <laughs> Even with a little bit of a Google search, it's still hidden, uh, you know, behind a few uh, few clicks of a button. Well, then maybe I'll have you, know. maybe I'll have you email me. <laughs> no. Um, so tell me about Chikara Pro. Let's talk Chikara Pro. Uh, well, I got the chance to mention this a little bit earlier, but Chikara Pro is a um, it's a comic book come to life. Um, when you come to watch a Chikara Pro show, uh, you're getting what would feel more like uh, storylines and action from a comic book put on stage. Um, That's so cool. Um, can you can you describe just kind of what? what that's what that's like what does that mean um are the storylines more comic book-esque absolutely uh currently um i'm doing battle with chakara's mightiest heroes against uh a villain who calls himself nazmal dune who uh was born from an artifact called the eye of tear which was a jewel that had been passed from generation to generation, uh, starting from some place in Europe, like I believe Switzerland or Germany or around that part, that has now made its, hand, its way to the hands of Ultramantis Black, who's a bit of a black magic sorcerer, uh, who also happens to be a giant mantis. Um, and uh, the creature that lived within the Eye of Tears taken over Ultramantis Black and started hexing other Chikara heroes and turning them into uh, minions of Nazmal Dune. And uh, we're currently battling the evil forces that exist within them and trying to find a way to stop it. Okay. That, see, see, now I just. Do you guys put any of this online? Can I just, like, follow it online? Is there a website? Chikaratopia.com exists with over 700 hours of content. Um, starting back with all of our shows that date back to 2002. So you can definitely uh, go to Chikartopia.com and, and join our subscription service where we have live shows happen. We actually have a live show this weekend. I don't know when this is airing specifically, but uh, we have a show called that we do uh, every every so often called the Hour Power, which is a live streaming show. Normally, you know, our shows are pre-taped and then put online, but this okay. is a live show that'll happen this Sunday, November 13th at 4 p.m. So if you don't have a Chikartopia account, you can create one and uh, check out the live free show. Um, and hopefully you stick around and watch other content that we release. That's awesome. That's really cool. This will not go up by then. Um, this is probably going to go up early December. Uh, you could still join Chikartopia.com <laughs> and watch that event that it passed. <laughs> And then you can enjoy it, and everyone can leave comments about how much they enjoyed it, and they're sad they missed it. And then I will get angry hate email. Uh, we also have a uh, weekly YouTube series uh, called Podcast of Go Go, um, which is the longest running uh, video podcast in professional wrestling, um, which is released every Monday, and we give you a full free match. 
um, as well as content all the time on our Chikara live channel, like Ring Shape, which is uh, my YouTube series to Chikara, where I uh, show you the techniques we use to get in Ring Shape, the things that you could potentially do yourself at home, um, as well as other video content, you know, things related to the company. Yeah, I was taking a look at some of those videos, and I definitely think if people want to get more, um, I want to say, I want to, it's like functional training, um, not necessarily weightlifting, you know, not bodyweight training, but kind of more um, activity-based movements that I saw that you were doing on ring shape. I thought some of that was really cool. Absolutely. Uh, and I know we're going to probably dive into this a little bit later, but professional wrestling requires so much more than your glamour muscles. Um, and uh, being jacked doesn't make a good pro wrestler. <laughs> yeah. You know, you need functional, uh, you need functional strength. You need mobility. Uh, um, you need to have a agency over your body that exercises that the ring shape series shows uh, will help you have. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dive into that right now. You know, what, what sort of, um, training activities are you doing to make sure you are in ring shape? Uh, so because I'm one of the trainers at the wrestle factory, I'm at the school way more than, uh, the average trainee would be. So a lot of the, um, I can be there four or five days a week, you know, for hours on end. Um, and, uh, I tend to do a lot of my training in that building. Um, almost all, um, non-weighted exercises just because we don't have, a, uh, weights in the in the school, we encourage you to do that on your own time outside of the school. You know, you come to the wrestling school to learn things that you wouldn't know to do normally. Like we don't need to teach you how to do a curl, you know, um, or a bench press. Like you can pretty much figure that out. There are a million YouTube videos on how to properly bench press. Um, and, uh, you don't need that for professional wrestling, meaning that, uh, the average person can go about doing that on their own. You come to the wrestling school for things like, uh, learning how to do tripods and handstands to help you with the body agency to control yourself. If you're being suplexed or, um, I'll use a, a variation of a burpee that we call drop down leapfrog, where we have you not just jump up in place, but have you leap over an object like you would, if you were leapfrogging in a match, um, things that you can do at the school that you wouldn't do there. And I do that kind of stuff daily. Um, I have a body control that is unlike any other. I've, I'm a bit of an exception when it comes to uh, the average human. Um, <laughs> and I know that, but I'm there doing it so much. I have a body control and a body agency that, um, most will not have. Um, and, uh, I, I try to help teach that to the students. So I practice that kind of stuff every single day, um, which is a majority of my, uh, training for sure. As well um, as, you know, you're, well, like, you know, pull-ups and push-ups and all that kind of stuff. Okay. What was it like when you took your first bump? <laughs> Painful. Uh, <laughs> um, I was, uh, I kind of cheated a little bit. Um, and uh, a group of my friends uh, and I growing up had access to a professional wrestling ring at a young age. Um, it happened to be in one of our friends' backyards. Cause they bought a ring that a company was throwing out and we didn't care that it was a little beat up and raggedy. For sure. Uh, we, they spent a lot of money to get that ring. 
And uh, so I took my first bumps before I was actually training for professional wrestling. And I hurt myself a lot. (laughs) (laughs) How Uh, old were you? uh, This would have been uh, 17. Okay. Okay, so young but not too young. You weren't like 12-year-old power slamming your friend. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Well... (laughs) (laughs) Not to say there wasn't some of that, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, that was just more as, as you do if you're a wrestling fan, uh, you're going to, you know, you're going to uh, wrestle your friends. Just like if you're, you know, if you enjoy football, you're going to play football with your friends. Or if you're into baseball, you're going to have a catch with your friends. Uh, all my friends and I were into wrestling, so we beat each other up for fun. There, there you go, man. And, and you know what? As long as it's consensual, it's fine. Uh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so what, what is your daily routine like? Do you keep, yeah, just what's, what's your daily routine like? What are you doing? What are you training most often? Is it just mostly the mobility work? Uh, I, I train in mostly mobility. Absolutely. Um, as, uh, 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 while I still do weight train, um, here and there when, I can get access to a gym. Um, my body, um, from training, you know, four or five days a week on top of performing, um, is pretty banged up. And not that I'm not in the mindset that weight weight training is going to destroy your body because I believe if you're doing it properly, it's going to help. Absolutely. Um, but I train sometimes four or five hours or even longer in the ring that I don't always go to a gym after or before given the amount of damage I'm doing to my body by, you know, taking bumps and running the ropes and, uh, doing all these, uh, mobility exercises. Um, so I keep a majority of my work there, um, in that way. So most daily, uh, I wake up in the mornings and I, uh, have my pull-up bar by my bed and I do my pull-ups and I sit ups and I do push ups. I do a basic uh, interval training routine: squats, pull ups, push ups, uh, crunches, things of that nature, um, okay. just to start my day off. And then I do, you know, depending on the night, sometimes four to five hours, sometimes two or three hours worth of cardio and mobility training at the Wrestle Factory. Okay, um, real quick, the. What time do you normally get up to do the uh, pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups? Uh, I don't make myself get up uh, like early in the morning. It just naturally I wake up around the nine a.m. time slot because I'm just perf- I uh, work for Chikara Pro and I perform full time. So my day starts whenever I decide to start it, unless I'm going on the road. Um, That's cool. I would love that. Right now I'm waking up at four a.m. every morning. <laughs> uh, it helps when. Uh, um, Kate Nix, as I mentioned earlier, closet champion, um, is, uh, my wife. Uh, and, uh, sh- since we run a business out of our home on top of, you know, working with Chikara Pro, um, it is, I can make my own hours. So there you go. American dream, my friend. Absolutely. Uh, now what, what's your diet? Like, do you keep a pretty strict diet? <laughs> or are you are, are you burning so many calories because you are so active that it doesn't really matter? Uh, there was a period of time um, where I was I absolutely could not put on weight. I mean, you're talking about still drinking, you know, uh, 
I'm drinking multiple protein shakes a day, taking in almost 4,000 calories a day. I was having so much trouble at a younger age putting on calories uh, or putting on weight, I'm sorry, as I was trying to not to bulk up but to put on a little bit of weight so I was safer. So I had a little uh, a little bit more muscle mass to protect my body uh, while being, you know, uh, thrown around in, in a wrestling ring and falling. You know, having thicker muscles also help protect um help protect your body, especially if you're falling on your back and your neck, right? Having those muscles there to help support you really do go a long way in, in the longevity of your body. Um, and uh, now um, I've found a good balance of that. And I just, I just consume. <laughs> I'm a uh, garbage pit of, uh, of food. Um, I, I try to maintain a relatively healthy, like every single day um, for lunch and lunch and pre-dinner, I call it, because it's dinner, but not really dinner, because I'm still eating, again, a full meal, you know, when I get home from the school around 11, 11.30 at night. Um, but rice, chicken with some sort of vegetable, whether it be uh, broccoli, mushrooms, or asparagus, or, uh, you know, uh, any mix of that kind of stuff that I enjoy eating, a little bit of greens with other things. But that's every single day I make rice and uh, primarily chicken. Sometimes I mix it up with the pork chops or, you know, things of that in there. I try not to eat steaks too much or red meat, not because it's, that's just one of the expense. If you're eating that much food, um, it could be very costly to eat good quality red meat. Um, and, oh, yeah. uh, so it's easier to, uh, it's just easier to, to, for me to, you know, like something like cook a pork chop or things of that nature it could take me minutes to cook. Um, Oh yeah, no, dude, I'm absolutely with you on that. Um, I have no problem eating like canned chicken if need be and things of that nature because uh, it's still, um, despite this, uh, despite the sodium content and that kind of stuff, it's still relatively good for you. It's still high in protein and cheap. And yeah. if you eat a lot of food, um, sometimes cheap uh, can be better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the you know for the wallet and for the uh, comfort of uh, keeping your wife happy. No, absolutely. And I like I I'm 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 constantly running. So one of my favorite um, meals that's just fast, cheap, and easy is a can of tuna or salmon, some microwavable rice or quinoa, and then pasta sauce. And I'm like, it's it takes me two minutes to make. It's relatively healthy, um, and it's cheap. So I, uh, I absolutely for a period of time is doing the um, uh, microwaved rice, but uh, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm a rice snob or a rice aficionado of sorts. But <laughs> growing up eating rice every single day, you know, uh, my parents never, never microwaved. Uh, rice. It was always, you know, you know, cooked on the stovetop, and I just couldn't do it. I was just always so used to eating uh, rice that way. I, I, I was. Oh uh, yeah. I'm a well, I'm a Spanish, you know, descent. So <laughs> that's just that is a part of my life, you know, on a daily basis. Whether or not I wanted to, was eating that, you know, six days a week, yeah. and you know, my if, entire life. I mean, if if I've got the time, I've got my rice cooker to to actually cook rice, but. I wanted to ask you, do you have and what is uh, your favorite cheat meal if you're just going to go all out, pig out? <laughs> so uh, what part of the world are you from? Uh, Southwest, Arizona, Southern oh. California. So you guys don't have tasty cake pies out there, do you? I 
have great stories about tasty cakes. Um, oh. <laughs> because uh, one of my very good friends in college, freshman year, we lived next to each other in the dorms. He was from PA. And after every Christmas and every holiday when he would go back home, he would bring back boxes upon boxes of Tasty Cakes. <laughs> like, suitcases of Tasty Cakes. So, I know Tasty Cakes. I love Tasty Cakes. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm spoiled living in the East Coast uh, with uh, Tasty Cakes uh, being over here. And uh, that's probably my favorite cheat food. Not necessarily meal, but man, there's nothing better to me than a seasonal strawberry Tasty cake pie with some, and it comes with the icing over top of it, and it's got real fruit in it, and it's just so sugary and and sweet, and it's overload. It's an over, it's a sensory overload, and it's just ah. Oh. But lucky for me, it's seasonal, and that I can't. It, when it's out, I truly do eat it every day. It's disgusting. The <laughs> amount of just empty tasty cake, strawberry tasty cake pie containers there are in my house when you know that time of year hits, and it's only for like two or three months where they're mass produced, and you know uh, they go pretty quick because it's a very popular flavor. Um, what, dude? I gotta have you send me one of those. <laughs> it is. Uh, I it, you would never make it. I. Buy, I'd buy it for somebody else, and I would consume it immediately. <laughs> uh, to the point where I had a uh, dog growing up that uh, I, you know, I gave him a little taste of the strawberry pie once because, of course, you know that's what you do with your pets. I, yeah, here you go. You can have some of my human food. And uh, my dog would also eat them full on. Like if I had a tasty cake pie left on, let's say, like a tabletop. Um, and I'd walk away, I'd come back, and he'd be pulling it out of the container. He'd rip the boxes open to eat them. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. That, that dog knows what's good. Um, do you have a mantra or motto that either keeps you training when you're sore and you don't want to train, or just something that keeps you motivated to just keep going back for more and more, take more and more bumps? Um, well... Uh, this is something that I, I say at the beginning of every uh, new group of kids that we have at the school, every new class that starts, um, or new students that we get, because we have two different types of curriculums in our school. One is like a class system that starts about every seven weeks, and then our main system, our core, that you can jump into any time. Um, but for the tiered kids that are part of that seven-week curriculum, I say this to every new class that comes in, and that's uh, don't be afraid to fail. Um we, you are going to fail. You absolutely will. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Nobody has ever uh, succeeded at everything in life the first time that they tried it. Um, and uh, I fail quite often. Um, and I say that with um, great pride um, because those failures uh, motivate you, right? They, they push you because nobody likes losing. Nobody likes failing. Um, and, uh, I truly believe that, uh, failure is necessary and failure is a good thing. Um, you know, that first time you try a, a moonsault, you know, from the top rope, the first time you try the, a, a new technique where you have to twist off of the rope. So, cause Lucha Libre involves a lot of high flying stuff. So, uh, this really pertains, especially to the way we train, which is why we do so many mobility drills, uh, or exercises that help with, um, you know, body agency, um, you know, when you're teaching yourself, when you're teaching yourself to walk on your hands or just do a basic handstand, you might fall. You might hurt yourself a little bit even, you know, but you can't be afraid of that. Um, 
because that fear is always going to stop you. That fear is always going to keep you back from, uh, you know, mastering these techniques or, or even being able to accomplish basic things. Um, so yeah, I'd have to say, uh, to not be afraid to fail. Dude, I love that. And I've, I've said on this podcast often, failure is not defeat. And if you're not failing at life, you're not living big enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's life happens when you get out of your comfort zone. You do those things where you might fail. Absolutely. Um, I cannot stress that enough. It's one of the things I truly try to, um, especially with somebody new to professional wrestling, it's something I'd really encourage like, Hey, like, uh, you know, somebody's going to fail. Like encourage them anyway, root them on regardless, you know, are cool. You know, you crash and burned on, you know, on this resort day, which is, uh, like a variation of a, of a nip up. Like, yeah, you crash and burned, but you know what? Good job. You tried, right? Like it's all in the attempt. I don't care if you can't complete a maneuver. I don't care if you, if you are unable to do a technique the first time, I just want you to try it. I want you to see what you're capable of because you don't know until you do try. You'd surprise yourself. You know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. And I think, you know, once you try it and whether you fail or whether you succeed, the fear is now gone. You know, you tried it once to so try it again. Absolutely. Um, especially once you realize I this, this pertains a little more so to professional wrestling, but you know, once you realize that you didn't hurt yourself, that, you know, this front flip you just did actually was pretty safe. You know, like you have enough agency uh, over your limbs and your, and your momentum that you won't hurt yourself. And then you're, uh, you know, you're not afraid anymore to add a little bit more height to it, a little more distance or a little more pizzazz. For sure. Um, I want to talk about more. Let's talk about the, the training school that Chikara Pro also has. Um, tell me a little bit about that, that you work for. So, um, uh, the Russell factory has been around since 2002. Um, and, uh, or 2001, I'm sorry. It's been around 15 years. Jakar itself, I just first showed 2002. Uh, but the Russell factory has been around for a long time. Um, producing, uh, some guys that you've seen on WWE television, like, uh, Cesaro, um, more recently, Drew Gulak and Lince Dorado, if you're following the Cruiserweight Classic uh, oh, very performers. Cool. Um, even uh, Sarah Amato, who was one time one of the trainers at the Wrestle Factory, is now one of the head trainers at the WWE Performance Center. Um, so we have very deep roots um, in professional wrestling now, um, as our performers are all uh, not just in WWE, but travel the world. Um, it's been around, like I said, for a good 15 years, um, based on Northeast Philadelphia. And uh, our company, our school is designed to eventually feed you into the company, Chikara. So if you're training, you're learning the art of professional wrestling with us, uh, you will eventually move your way into the company. It hopes, you know, obviously, you know, if you make it that far, because not everybody that signs up necessarily becomes a pro wrestler. Um, sometimes you find a different, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes you find a different role in the company that you feel like you're more suited for or enjoy more than the performance aspect of it. 
um, or being in front of a live crowd, you know, uh, wrestling. Um, or is it, I mean, I, I, I just want to bring this up. Is it possible that sometimes you realize that maybe you don't have the passion for it and you go a different route? Absolutely. Uh, there's, there's definitely some of that. Um, I know we currently have a, uh, we have a trainee who started training. He's 41, uh, when he started training and, uh, he knows the end result, right? Professional wrestling, the end result of training isn't necessarily something that he sees himself doing at his age. Not that he's too old because you are never too old, right? To start, um, I mean, you may have limited years as in, um, you know, you're not going to have a, a career that a 20 year old might have. You know, uh, if you started tr- training then, um, but at 41, he knew maybe he knows performing in front of a crowd is not necessarily a, a long-term goal, but is finding other things to do instead for the company. And, uh, you know, backstage, they're working on audio video and things of that nature. Cause with your car, we teach you more than just the performance aspect of it. Um, you're also learning how to work the cameras, what it means to film a show, you know, the cinematography behind filming a professional wrestling show. You're learning uh, the ins and outs of uh, um, running a professional wrestling company with um, the students, the ones that book the ring trucks and take the ring up and down and they run the merchandise tables. Um, you're, you learn how to referee. You're learning every single aspect of the business so that by the time you are ready and put out into the world to go out on your own and to acquire on bookings and make your own name in professional wrestling, you know enough about, you know, everything that you could be a player both in front of and behind the camera. Oh, that's very cool. That's awesome. Um, and we, again, will include links to all that information in the show notes page. Um, what is, is the, the gear company that you, that you own with your, with your wife? Um, is it wrestling gear? I'm assuming. Kate also, uh, herself, uh, creates burlesque costumes as she's a burlesque performer as well. So she, uh, dabbles in that as well, but our primary, um, source of clientele comes from Chikara as we are the majority gear maker for Chikara Pro. As well as, uh, you know, there are others that, uh, like we've, we make, we've made, uh, gear for guys in ROH or TNA and even in WWE. Okay. Very cool. Okay. Favorite place you've ever trained or you've ever performed? Um, so I'd have to say my favorite place originally, uh, when I first started, uh, when I first got into professional wrestling, I thought Japan was going to be the mecca for me. And I got to Japan pretty quick in my career. Um, uh, 2010 was my first trip uh, over to Japan. And uh, I worked for Zero One at Kurokan Hall in Tokyo Dome City. And uh, that was a crazy cool experience. I mean, it was my first instance of really leaving the country and uh, at, at all. And uh, I absolutely loved it. And it felt like a completely different world. Um, and I mean, and it's, it's not just because it's Japan, but, uh, it was such a shock, uh, culturally to me to somebody that's never left, um, you know, like that Philadelphia, New Jersey, New York area for sure, the East coast. Um, and then I started to get accustomed to that and Japan was awesome. But then I went to the UK and I went to the channel islands and I went to Wales and I went to England and, uh, I got to go to Germany and, uh, and, and various other places. And um, 
I've realized um, how different the world was, you know, compared to what we have over here in the States, um, you know, especially, you know, the Philadelphia to, to New York. And I absolutely, and this is leading to me to my favorite place. Uh, I realized that castles weren't just a thing of, you know, written about in books or in TV, you know, like castles <laughs> real. And I was, and I was in the Channel Islands and seeing these castles that have been there for, you know, centuries. Uh, I, there was this one castle, uh, which, um, off the top of my head, I cannot remember its name. It's going to come to me hopefully as I'm talking about it, uh, that during World War II, was taken over by Germany and they had uh, put uh, bunkers and, and like updated the castles with some concrete and stuff to modify. So if the island was attacked, uh, it was a stable base to fight from. So it's cool seeing this ancient architecture, you know, uh, it's old and actual legit castle being fortified with, you know, uh, 1940s, you know, Germany, World War Two uh, structures uh and things like that like it's just it was one of the places that blew my mind and you you have that and then right next to it is one of the most beautiful beaches i've ever seen because it's a tiny island that you could walk the entirety of the perimeter in you know just over a day um that was the channel islands is beyond it blew my mind and it was also fun to wrestle there <laughs> it was a great it was a great place to perform that venue that uh the water club which is where uh, uh i i've worked for their multiple multiple years i've been back yearly since i started going there and uh the water club is one of my favorite venues that they run there um because it's a venue that's right next to the beach like you walk oh, out the cool. back door there's a deck where you can sit at and, and eat and the beach is right there. Like the deck is right next to the beach and you just walk off the deck and you can go out on the beach. And it's like, there's very few places in the world that are, that are like that. And, like it's got the largest tide in the world. So it goes out miles. So you could just walk miles out on the beach. And then, you know, an hour later it is, then it, there's a couple of miles that all that space is just covered in water. So you've got, and actually the castle that I went to specifically, you had to walk the beach to get there but at certain times of the day you couldn't walk the path because the tide had come in and it's completely you know uh taken away so it looks like the the castle's miles out in the water you know at certain tides um it's just one of the coolest places and i can talk about the channel islands all day jersey specifically uh being the island that i uh spent the most time at dude that's that's awesome i did have i i wanted i wanted to ask you one wrestling question um, if you could have one match against someone alive or dead, past or present, who who would you who would you be in a match with? Does it have to be a professional wrestler? Yes. <laughs> okay. We're, we're going to answer that two ways. One is yes, and then two is no because I want to know who the other answer is now. <laughs> um. Man, all right. So uh, as far as professional wrestling goes, it would be Ultimo Dragon. Um, yeah. I, for me, Ultimo Dragon was uh, all the things that I enjoyed as a youngster. He wasn't necessarily my favorite wrestler uh, as a young child because I didn't encounter Ultimo Dragon until, you know, later in life when he showed up for WCW. And then you start to learn that, you know. There's more to wrestling than just the WWF, you know, when you're a kid. Um, 
but once I discovered Ultimo Dragon and he had that mix of high flying and uh, ground, you know, wrestling, he was a very good submission uh, wrestler. Um, but mixed it so well with acrobatics and it essentially was the inventor of a lot of moves like the Asai Moonsault and the Asai DDT and would do headstands on the turnbuckles, which I now do uh, as well. You know, it's, it's taken from uh, my, my love of Ultimo Dragon. Uh, that would be the wrestler that I would love to get into the ring with. And he's still active, not as active as he used to be, but he's still out there. So still a chance for me to do so. Yeah, he's, um, he's, he's almost uh, 50 years old. So it's getting up there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, you know, some of those Japanese wrestlers will keep going until, you know, every limb in their body is broken. Like they've got to be, they've got to be done. Their body has to have completely given up for them to stop. Um, which is admirable, you know, uh, to an extent, uh, you go until uh, you physically can't. You just don't walk away, you know? For uh, sure. You don't quit. Uh, <laughs> what was the, what's the not professional wrestler? So I'm huge into martial arts. Uh, I absolutely love kung fu films. Uh, I love all the old Shaw Brother movies. Um, I'm really big right now, uh, or was into Tony Jaws, you know, he left uh, he left filmmaking for a while and has now just come back. Um, but he would be the person I would love to have a wrestling match with. Uh, he's another one who's uh, who does things with his body that I started to do in professional wrestling. I didn't start to do it. I've been doing it now for years. Uh, you know, his style is uh, that of Muay Thai. And uh, his Muay Thai movements have a lot of knee strikes to them. So... That is a lot of my offense and professional wrestling, or knees and knee strikes and kicks. And then also goes into because I I did uh, eight years of martial arts, Gojo Ru, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and Taekwondo, and uh, um, plays a big factor in uh, obviously who I am and the way I train as well. Um, For sure. All right, that's dude. That's really cool. I'm I'm a big fan of martial arts, more so just watching it than <laughs> than, than doing it. But you never know. You're never too old, and I shouldn't be afraid to fail. Absolutely. Uh, your wife can be right, but she can also kind of, sort of, we won't tell her, could be wrong. She She's rarely <laughs> wrong, but she might be wrong. And you know what? Even if I hurt myself, I still might have a good time doing it. Yeah, you will hurt yourself with a smile. Dude, right? <laughs> All right. In, in, I've kept you for about an hour. In the interest of wrapping up... Do you have any nerd or fitness resources, apps, websites, anything you use to either stay in shape or stay nerdy? A great resource uh, for fitness would be my Rink Shape series that I have on the Chikara YouTube channel. Uh, I would definitely suggest uh, if you want some non-traditional uh, you know, uh, workouts – things that help with uh, body control things that help with mobility and agility and some, some stuff that you may have never seen. That would be a lot of fun to do. Most of which you can do at home. Some of which you do have to be in a professional wrestling ring, ring to do, but we're at episode 23 or 24. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, and there's definitely quite a few techniques that uh, you would be able to use at home. Uh, I use Tabata as well, which is one of my favorite apps uh, for interval training, and it's uh, a great app for that. Um, 
my students have come to love the sound of the buzzers from Tabata. Um, <laughs> and uh, I uh, use it every single day. Uh, it's a great stopwatch. And like if you do any kind of interval training with uh, with a round system and, you know, breaks in between cycles and so on and so forth. Uh, it's a great app for that. Where can people connect with you or Chikara Pro? So if you have interest in Chikara Pro, maybe you want to check out a show. Um, you don't live in the area, but you want to see what we're about. You can get a one week uh, for free on our streaming service at chikaratopia.com. Uh, we have a ton of events there, a huge backlog. Um, even if you're unsure about you know the independence and you're kind of afraid to dabble into the unknown, there's a lot of characters and performers on there that you can be familiar with. You'll see Daniel Bryan's and Sami Zayn's and Kevin Owens and Cesaro's and those types there as well, Luke Harper's, all guys that have come through Jakara and have a lot of content uh, that you can watch of theirs uh, through Chikaratopia.com. Very cool. Uh, and you can also, you know, keep up with Chikara on YouTube at Chikara Live. Um, as for myself, I'm Ophidian Cobra on Twitter Instagram, Facebook, and if you don't know how to spell my name, it's O-P-H-I-D-I-A-N. If you really like me, maybe you kind of uh, really enjoyed this podcast here, check me out at patreon.com slash closetchampion, um, where you can get behind-the-scenes footage of professional wrestling, uh, get some bonus content for Ring Shape, as well as... Uh, how to's on gear making and my my biweekly podcast bump and grind, which talks about uh, how uh, how my wife and I make it as uh, working class artists and the struggle um, that is inherent with that. That's awesome, dude! I you might be getting a new subscriber, and I will definitely be sure to rate and review um, as soon as I subscribe, man. I'm excited to hear about that. Uh, I'm I'm glad that uh, I've made a new fan of you. <laughs> For sure, dude. Uh, and to cap things off, well, and to be honest, I just love supporting awesome people doing awesome stuff. It's like, right. it, as, as long as you're a cool person doing cool things, I'm going to be in your corner, you know? Uh as I, I constantly, uh, but I, I believe that we all have to support each other, especially on the independent level, um, of whether it's podcasting or performing or it's music making or act, you know, regardless of what your, your profession is, if we don't support each other, nobody else will be willing to, you know, if oh. the support isn't there from a community. No, absolutely. Um, I've actually this week gotten a lot more involved on a community level. Uh, out here in LA. So it's been, it's been very rewarding. So, but this podcast is pretty much made to support independent people such as yourself. I've had a couple in indie directors, indie filmmakers on here. It's fun, man. They're the coolest people in the world and they got heart. Yeah. Um, you can tell the difference between, uh, somebody that's actually doing it just for the love of what they do and, you know, can make a living off of, actually loving what they do as opposed to somebody searching for a paycheck out of it because you can't just do any independent art 
uh, for the paycheck because you know we're all all of us are barely making any money off the actual art. <laughs> Very <laughs> true. Know? It's 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 like you said. You know, we all have our our other normal nine to five gigs sometimes, and sometimes we're lucky enough to get the opportunity to quit those. Um, but to cap things off, what parting advice? Do you have for everyone out there listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast? You've heard me say it once, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm glad that it's a mantra of this show, is never be afraid to fail. Um, you're going to you're gonna fail. You're going to lose a thing sometimes, and uh, you can learn from every failure. You can learn from every losing experience, and uh, it should and hopefully will only make you stronger. That is so true. And I think we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me. Ophidian, I've had such a blast talking with you today. Uh, so just, yeah, just thank you for being here. Yeah, not a problem at all. Uh, I enjoy talking wrestling and anything related. <laughs> awesome. And everyone out there listening, all you dragons, um, Go this week and do something that you're afraid to fail and do it anyway. Um, when is the last time you did something for the first time? Try something new. Get involved. Do something. Um, I know I have been recently and it's been awesome. Other than that, I love all of you out there listening. Work out, nerd out. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.